Does anyone else have an internal dialogue, a fight, an argument that is going on throughout your days? Where you know what you're supposed to be doing, you know what you're supposed to be feeling, you know how you're supposed to be thinking, but then you have the struggle against how you actually are doing, what you actually are doing, what you actually are feeling, and there's a conflict that's occurring. What happens in our mind is tremendously important because it gives birth to all kinds of behaviors and actions, addictions, patterns of how we live. It all really starts in the mind. And we're kicking off a four-week series that is following along for any of my readers that are with us today. It's a book called Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle. And the series is really going to follow through the Apostle Paul And the way that he teaches and tries to encourage the church a fight that the Apostle Paul was going through about the importance of what happens in our mind. Because as you read what he was writing, he talks about the struggle where when you read his words, he almost sounds a little bit like a crazy person because he's like, the things that I want to do, I don't do them. I mean, he just lays his struggle out there. And and he talks about transformation, and transformation is the goal. The goal is that our life changes, that that we allow God to empower us and to live differently. And in Romans 12 too, the Apostle Paul narrows it down to to says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of, of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The power to change, the power to break free of the patterns that have been destructive is found by changing the way that our mind works and allowing scripture to renew our thinking, that that old thinking needs to go away and it needs to be replaced by something better, by something true, by God's standard. And so there's, there's this war that's been going on with the way that we think and we need to find a way to win it and we find the way to win it by replacing things that are false with things that are true. We're removing fear and injecting Faith And today the passage that we're going to study comes from 2 Corinthians. If you have your Bible, you can open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll put the words up on the screen as I read it, starting in verse 3. And it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now as the passage starts off, it it describes divine power. Divine power. And, And this is crucially important because we see earthly power at work all the time. There's all kinds of counselors, there's all kinds of self-help, there's all kinds of self-talk that that we will use, and it has some effectiveness. It has some power to begin to put more positive thinking into your life. But I want to tell you, the, the amount of power that any earthly method will have, it dwarfs in the presence of the power of God at work in your life. It, it, it is minuscule in comparison to what God's ordained and breathed words will do in the way that we live. Divine power. But sometimes we like to separate that divine power from the way that we actually live. And it happens in all kinds of places amongst Christians. I've seen and heard it happen within leadership of Christians. 
Within a leadership gathering where some leaders of a church were together and they were discussing what was going on in their youth ministry because their youth ministry had attracted some unsavory teenagers. I mean, I don't know why you have a youth group if it's not to attract unsavory teenagers, but that's what was happening, and it apparently was a problem. And there was a discussion going on about what they were going to do because they were finding cigarette butts in the parking lot and words were being said that were inappropriate while they're outside of the building, and they know what those, other, those kids were doing throughout the week when they weren't at church, and it was problematic. And as the discussion was going, one of the younger people amongst the council said, well, I think Jesus said... And as he began to quote the words of Jesus, he was interrupted and told, don't go bringing Jesus into this. Whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean don't go bringing Jesus into this? Isn't that why we're here? Jesus' words? Isn't that what's supposed to be forming the way that we think? Isn't that supposed to be changing the pattern of what we do, his words and his instruction? And it's easy enough to pick on a board, a leadership group of a church, but what about in your life, in your household? When you start acting like a fool, and someone begins to say, well, Jesus said, how quickly do you want to cut that person off? When that, when that voice inside of your heart begins to speak up of what you know is right, How quickly do you try to push the mute button on it to cover it up? Oh, I don't want to think that. Let's scroll social media, get something, Netflix, something in my mind to get this conviction and this propulsion to change out of my way. It's it's easy to make fun of someone else for, but I know that we've done it within ourselves. Because when when the words of Scripture get compared to the way that we've been living, the way that we've been leading, the way that we've been a husband, the way that we've been a wife, the way that we've been a child, when we see what needs to change, often our response is, let's just put it out of mind, because we know the truth, that if it's on my mind, it's going to get into my behavior, that if it's on my mind, it's going to cause me to repent of something, and that feels like it has a cost, even though the cost of repentance is just the shedding of chains. The cost of repentance, it's no longer being shackled up in the same place. Because we know, if the words of Scripture are on my mind, they're going to propel me to do something because they're powerful. I mean, when we read this and it says that it has divine power, that word power, it's the same root word of where we get the word dynamite from. Like, we know what, dy- what kind of power dynamite has. That same idea is embedded in this, that it has godly power to tear down, to demolish what has been holding us back. There's no question about, does Jesus' words, do the teachings of Scripture, do they have the ability to change your situation? Yes, absolutely. Time after time, when we allow them to do the work they're supposed to do, they will transform our life. But the thing that slows us down isn't their power, it's their presence in our mind. If you've been wanting to see transformation If you're saying, how do I grow? How do I change? How do I make my marriage better? How do I get my future back on track? I'm going to tell you, one of the most powerful powerful things that you can do is keep Scripture on the forefront of your mind and of your day. Find a way to inject it. Because it's going to have the power to transform, to renew your mind. Earthly power, it's good for some things. 
but divine power, that same, same power that rose Jesus from the grave, that same power that spoke the universe into existence, that same power is embedded into the words of Scripture that will still move and live and breathe and work in your life. And so we have to, we have to allow them to be at the forefront of our mind because it's going to change the way that we live. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Strongholds is not a word that we use very often today, but I, I want to go through and describe it a little bit like this. If we were to just kind of take a survey of how your mind was doing, how is your thinking on a day-to-day basis? If we were going to give you a 1 to 10 scale where 1 was I worry all the time to 10 I just feel peace, what number would you be at on the regular? And don't shout it out. Just, just think to yourself. We're going to categorize a little bit. See how our health is. Over the period of the last few months, 1 being worried all the time, 10 being at peace. How have you been doing? What about the, our outlook? 1 being I have negative thoughts all the time. Ten being I have positive thoughts all the time. One being uh, the, the world is just falling apart. There's no hope. There's no, our, America is going to cease to exist. The church isn't going to be able to meet. Everything is terrible. The sky will fall. Chicken little is going to be present. Like everything is terrible. One, ten, everything is at peace. I know God is on his throne. Where are you at on that scale? What about the way that I see the world. One being, I see everything through the worldly frame that right now is all that matters, or 10, I see things through the eternal frame that I understand one day I'm gonna be rewarded in heaven for my sacrifices and how I live, and so I live for him completely. One to 10, how are you doing? When you've been in a pattern of negative perspective for a long time, I wanna acknowledge it can be incredibly hard to break out of that. In fact, I'll tell you, it's probably impossible to break out of it on your own. If you say, you know, I, I am in the low, low three area on all of those topics. I want to tell you, you have a fight, but you also have power available to you. And when it says strongholds in here, it's talking about a fortress. It's, so, it's saying that the power that we have available to us through the word of God, through the spirit of God at work in our life, it is powerful enough to tear down strongholds. And the picture that they would have understood was a fortress that had a 20-foot deep wall, 20 feet thick, that this was the type of stronghold that it was saying it could tear down. And so for you to begin to compare, okay, this is the illustration that the Apostle Paul is making that's saying the power that we have, it can tear down walls that are 20 feet deep, Your experience, your pain, your history, it's not too much for God. It's not too much for the work of Scripture. And in fact, there's there's a bit of an allusion in here to the tearing down of a fortress, of a fortress wall, to what happened in Jericho. Maybe you remember the Bible story or the veggie tale version of it. Where God's people were supposed to conquer a city, but the walls looked impenetrable. 
And God said, don't worry, I've got you. And they, they rejoiced, okay, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna give us some artillery? Like you're gonna, what, what are you gonna give us? He said, you're gonna walk around the wall. And then when I tell you, you're gonna shout. And when you shout, it's gonna all come down. God, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> That's not the way wars are won. Well, you know what? God seems to, throughout Scripture, say that the way that you're going to fight and the way that you're going to win is going to be different than earthly standards because you're not the one who's going to win the fight. I'm the one who's going to win the fight. You only need to stand in your position, be ready for what you're called to do, and then I am going to provide the victory. And so in the area where you feel like anxiety has had a grip on me, fear has had a grip on me, this negative track of thinking has had a grip on my life and it's impossible to beat. God says, you take the step forward that you need to. You do what I've asked you to do and I will make those walls fall down. My word is capable. And in fact, when you do an inventory of the things that scripture has said that we've been given and you go into the armor of God and the way that we're supposed to use the different elements of our faith to win the fight, there is only one thing that is listed that becomes the offensive weapon for breaking down the things that are attacking us. And it's the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. Now this is tremendous because if you're supposed to be engaging in an offensive fight, if something has been coming at you and it's time to put a stop to this fight, the thing that you're supposed to utilize to attack is scripture. Which begs the question, is it a, is it a sword that you can yield? That in your area of battle and struggle, where you feel weak, where you feel like you need strength, have you equipped yourself with a scripture verse to attack that struggle? That if it's a lack of faith, have you studied and seen what Jesus said and how he interacted with people who had great faith and who had little faith? That Jesus said, if you just have faith like a mustard seed. That if you ask, these mountains will be cast into the sea. Have you studied, have you equipped yourself? And this is the beautiful thing that whatever area that you feel weak in, I think there's a natural earthly tendency to try to hide that from God. But I want to tell you, I want to invite you, just lean into it. God already knows what your fear is. God already knows where your struggle is. And so go ahead and, and, and identify it and label it because you're not going to be able to defeat something that you refuse to define. And so whatever worry has been on your head and your heart, wherever your area of struggle is, go ahead and be honest with God about it and go ahead and search his scriptures to find the promises that you can use to defeat that battle. Because your mind, it's going to be transformed. Your life is going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By taking the areas that were filled with fear and filling them with faith instead. The, the areas where you think you're going to have to figure it out on your own, and you say, this is a promise of God that I know I can stand on through my whole life. And even when I fail, I know God is faithful. And so I'm, I'm going to proclaim these. I'm going to talk about them. We need to look at it and we need to figure it out. Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says this way, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. The things that you let roll through your mind and roll through your heart, they're going to direct your life. Craig Rochelle in his book, he, he says it this way. He says, our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction 
of our strongest thoughts. So tell me, where are your thoughts directing you to? Are you happy about the direction and the velocity that your, your thoughts are sending you in right now? Because this is a reality. You can choose what you put in your mind. You can choose what you go to each day. But this is the struggle, is that, that our minds, that there's pathways that we create and there's pathways that we sustain. It, it, it's like this. It, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had this. When we lived up north, uh, the, the male people actually walked like house to house and they would put the mail like right into your house. You have a little milk box. It used to be a milk box at our house and they put the mail right in there. It's very convenient on a cold day. You don't have to go outside, but this is what would happen. You would have a male person who walks the same route every day and you would have a dead line through your grass. That would really bother some people. Um, I, I've seen paths, that they, they get created by walking on them day after day. It doesn't happen just in one day, but over time, you will see a path get developed. I, I've seen it, I lived up in North Georgia for a while in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. It's absolutely beautiful. You can go hiking on trails that have been hiked on for hundreds of years, old Native American trails that are there that you can still go walking through. It's an incredible thing because as you walk through these trails that have been forged through through years and years of being walked on, either side of it is almost impenetrable. It's just thick forest, and you wouldn't want to walk through it. But the pathways that have been common, they're very clear. I'm going to tell you, science has taught us that our minds work very much the same way. That the way that you think propels you to think that way again. And then when you decide to change your thinking it's almost like trying to push through a forest for the first time. That there's things that have to be crushed and moved out of the way. And the only way to get yourself to continue on a new method is to choose to push through that. But every time that you choose to think that way, it gets a little bit easier next time. This is both good and bad. Because when you think destructive thoughts over and over, it gets easier and easier to think that way. But it can be good in the fact that when you say, okay, I know these are the promises of God and I'm going to stand on them. Every single time you choose to start your morning, start your day, choose before an interaction with that difficult person. You choose how you're going to engage in it. It becomes easier and easier to think that way. You're, the strength that you find of renewing your mind, of saying, I'm going to inject these scriptures, they're strong enough to change your patterns, they're strong enough to change your behaviors, but I'm going to tell you, the more that you invest yourself in it, the easier and easier it becomes. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So right now, what are the strongest, lot, strongest thoughts that are controlling your life? And in fact, what are one of the strongest lies that are controlling your life right now? Have you heard the voice of saying, you're, you're, not, you're not able to be loved by God. You're not able to be loved by anyone. You don't have value. You don't have a future. You don't have a hope. Have you believed those lies? Maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, but you felt it in your heart. Church, this is what I want you to do. I want you to identify the lie that's holding you back. That in, in this time and in this season, is there a lie that's been holding you back from pursuing what you know God has 
asked you to pursue. And then once you've identified it, I want you to name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Because when you say no one, no one cares, no one wants me, Scripture says that you are chosen, that you are loved. When, when you say I'm alone, God says I've placed you in a family. When you say I have nothing to offer, Scripture tells you that God has placed a gift inside of you. When you say God doesn't care about me, Scripture says that, that he has a, a hope and a future and a plan for you. Whatever the lie is that you've bought into, I can tell you that there is a promise in Scripture that tells you the truth. And once you are able to identify the lie that has been causing you to stay stuck, then you're able to identify the truth that God has for you of how to live. 2 Peter 1.3 speaks into this topic as well. And, and he, he says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The power that he's given us, it gives us everything that we need to make it through this fight, to make it through the struggle, to make it through this life. He's provided us all of the strength. But we have to actually turn our eyes towards him to see what he's trying to do, to see what he's trying to say, to allow it to work. What, what we don't want to do is be like that person in the middle who says, hey, don't bring Jesus into this. No, we need to bring Jesus right into the middle of this. And it might feel like a mess. It might feel like I'm walking through an impenetrably thick forest right now. But I'm going to tell you, as you stay on that path and you walk that path day after day, you're going to find it easier and easier to walk in faith. You're going to find it easier and easier to trust him. I want to show you guys a picture of my little dude, Anthony. Um, he was in a no-pants phase right there. He did have underwear on, but I still didn't feel right about sharing the picture with him with his underwear there. So he's no-pants phase, you know. We would get home from wherever we were, pants just immediately off. But he would, you know, go around and do anything. And I, I picked up these broken-down jet skis, and I was working on them. And, and this has been a hobby of mine, and, and he was like my helper. Like, he was so excited about these jet skis. We'd fire them up in the driveway when I was working on them. He loved the sound of them. He'd sit on them and pretend to be running from sharks on it. Like, I mean, like, he was with me all the time working on these. And then when we finally got them running and we're out on the water and some of our friends are with us and they're in a boat and Anthony's in the boat with it, it was finally his turn to get onto the jet ski. And in that moment, he was terrified. Band, if you guys make your way up, I'm going to close this thing out. For months, he had been dreaming and pretending to get to ride on a jet ski. He sat in the driveway, and, and we'd rev it up, and he would laugh and smile at the sound of this engine's roar. But when it got to the point of what he really wanted to do, he looked at this moment of, I have to get out of the big boat and get onto the little boat that close to the waves. And he just got gripped by fear. And we tried, we tried to talk him into it. We tried to persuade him. It's going to be fine. You're going to be with dad. He wasn't having it. Eventually, we just pulled him out of the boat. <laughs> I put him on the jet ski with me. He was screaming. I hit the throttle and then all of a sudden, the smile came back. 
It was a scary moment for him. It was a scary moment for him to leave that comfort and safety. But once he got into that moment, we couldn't get him off of the jet ski. I mean, there, there was tears about when it was like, okay, someone else needs a turn now. Like, no, like, I love this. I want this. And I, I want to tell you, like, I get it. Stepping out of your comfort zone, even into something you know that you want. You might know that you want a better marriage. You might know that you want a stronger faith where you're not controlled by fear. You might know that you want to walk with Christ daily, but there might be this irrational fear that says just stay safely where you are because you don't know what will happen if you open this up. I'm going to tell you what will happen if you open it up. You will see the divine power of God at work in your life. You will sense a closeness to your heavenly father that you have been longing for but maybe you weren't able to name. And you will feel a sense of peace and purpose that you know you were supposed to have. But it will require that step, that, 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 that moment of let Jesus get right in the middle of this. And when you do, I know there's gonna be a smile on your face that you've been missing. And maybe as you're watching today or as you're here today, you might be saying, I, I know that Jesus has not been present in my life, but I want to tell you, this is the good news. That God so loves you that he sent his son. He sent Jesus to live the perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross to pay for your sins so that when you reach this point where you recognize, I need Jesus in my life, I need forgiveness, I need to turn from my sins, God's love has been knocking on that door waiting for you to invite him in. And as you call on his name as Lord, he meets you right where you are. Not just with earthly power, but with divine power. To tear down the strongholds that have been holding you back. To move you towards the future that he has had planned for you for so long. So church, without fear, take the step out of the boat. Without fear, step out into the waves of uncertainty. Because the thing that you know you can be certain of you have a good heavenly father who will see you through. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you meet us in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our fears, in the middle of us just having faith as small as a mustard seed. You will release divine power at work in our life to tear down the addictions and the walls that we have built up. So Father, do once again what you have done for generations for your children. Would you set us free so that we can live a life that honors you, so that we can live a life that brings this love into our neighbors, into our family, into our coworkers, because there's no greater joy than walking closely with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.